0: Hi, Nicole. Hi, Renee. I'm drinking coffee out of my Freddie Mercury mug. I was drinking coffee out of your William Shakespeare mug. Mm, you were, <laughs> obviously. Neither of whom were virgins. Oh, that ties in really nicely to today's <laughs> topic on not only but also. That's right.
1: Today we're talking about purity culture <laughs> in the church. Purity culture in the church. That's right. And what? Some of you may not be privy to purity culture in the church. And to you, the Lord keep you and bless you, (laughs) and make His face to shine shine upon you. you. (laughs) And He's already given you peace because purity culture. Well, let's talk about how we first discovered
0: purity culture. Okay, okay. Do you want to go? Should we give a little? like a little high overview no. definition of what it is? I think our stories are going to do... The job? The job. Okay. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start or would you like to start? I have no preference.
1: All right. I'll start. So I was 15 or 16 and I... Uh, I we, we will talk about this probably in an episode, but I have a long history of uh, sexual abuse. And when I was 15, I... Finally told my parents what was happening, what had been happening, and it started when I was three, went to when I was 12. And so I have a lot, I had a lot of baggage wrapped up in sex, my sexuality, having desire peaked in me, but not uh, knowing that it was wrong. So this is my context, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot to drop, but you know, I'll, I'll put some jokes in here. And so I've got jokes. And so here's, I. I and I don't have any sort of faith narrative at this point. My parents would alternative, alternately take me to the gurdwara, that's the Sikh temple or the Catholic church, my mom's upbringing, and, you know, as their guilt rendered. And so I didn't, I was kind of floating and I felt really lost. So my mom said, well, let's go to this youth group. So she sends me to this youth group and they're talking about sex. I was like, oh, this is great because I have all of these questions right. and I have all of this stuff that I need worked out and I don't know how to work it out. And I was terrified of sex at that point mm-hmm. because I knew that I wanted it, but I knew that my sense of it was to- had been totally dastardized.
0: It was just completely by, distorted.
1: Yeah, completely. And so and then I was just really afraid because you know that women who come out of this – you tend to either go super prude or maybe they go super promiscuous. promiscuous right? I went the prudery route mm-hmm. because I just, I didn't, I didn't, I don't even think I chose that. It right. was just my in- instinct. Anyway, so here's the stage. And, and so, so wait, you're how
0: old at uh, like uh, this 15, time? 16. Okay.
1: And so first time I've ever gone to a church, first time I've ever met any Christians, I have zero, Right. Zero context of any of this kind mm-hmm. of thing. No, ne- never read the Bible, whatever. So I walk in. And immediately, this woman, we'll call her Kelly. She starts... You came with that name really fast. It I just like, well, because right I've actually tongue. written about it. I okay. have an essay here <laughs> that I will not be reading, but I will be...
0: Kelly, um, go on. Reminding
1: myself about. So she passes around these paper hearts, all right? And so we all have these paper hearts, no context. And she invites us to just rip... Pieces of the heart, and I'm like, okay, so I'm ripping a few, and then she goes up for her homily, and she uh, she asks us to lift up our hearts, and a lot of us have these like ripped up hearts, and some of us some of us didn't rip our hearts, and so we had intact hearts and then um she says, For each one of you who ripped off a piece of that heart that is somebody you have slept with before you get married. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And all of a sudden just guilt is oozing, me, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And I'm sitting here like, oh no. So then she holds up this tattered heart, this you know ripped up one, and she holds up a pristine one. Mm-hmm. And she says about the pristine one, this is the heart that I would have wanted to give to my husband. Instead, I gave him this
0: one. Mm, The tattered, the old tattered heart.
1: Right? And it was, and I just setting her. And then after that, there there was, this this was straight out the gate. There was no context.
0: Oh, yeah. This is how youth groups go. They don't don't mess. They just get right to it.
1: Kelly hands out what looks like a business card. And she hands it to all of us. And this is what the business card reads. Believing that true love waits, I make a commitment to God, myself, my family, my friends, my future mate, and my future children to be sexually abstinent from this day until the day I enter a biblical marriage Holy balls. And I sign that mofo with my best penmanship.
0: This was your numero uno youth group n- time? Yes, because
1: I thought, listen, if this is what is going to make me pure, if this is the thing that is going to assure me that I'm not going to have any more negativity attached mm-hmm. to sex,
0: sign me right. up. Did it feel at the time like it was a promise yes. of you being able to have this whole heart? Yes. Right. It,
1: I felt like everything was going to be made right. Everything was going to be made right. I felt like um I'm sorry. We're having uh, and that um if I decided to follow this guideline from God that the rest of my life would be blessed. Mm-hmm. I truly not, I was 15. Right. But I truly believe that. I truly There is nothing the
0: wrong with you believing that. Also I mean, it was framed in the way of saying, A, not taking into account anything else, anyone's past, any, anyone's other experiences, sexual abuse, nothing. And then it's framed in a way to say, oh, well, if you do this thing, this is what you're going to – it's going to be all good. You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a whole heart. Right. You sign this piece of paper. Right. Yeah.
1: And the thing – I don't know if I want to
0: – I'm going to stop there because
1: the, the biggest thing that makes me so angry about this whole thing um, is what it says about Jesus. Right. And I'm going to pause there and let you tell your story, and we'll come back to
0: that. Okay. So I was also – I was very close in age to you at the time that you were talking about. I became a Christian – one month shy of my 16th birthday at a like local, basically evangelical uh, outreach for kids. It was like a huge you know, concert type event. And so I was immediately flung into this whole world of Christian life and youth group. And my parents weren't churchgoers and they weren't doing any of this with me. It was just me and my best friend who was kind of, I kind of joined her community and her church and her parents were sort of, you know, they kind of represented me things from time to time. And they, everyone starts talking about purity rings. And I start hearing in youth group about purity rings and how we're going to make this pledge. And we're not going to, similarly, as you were saying, we're not going to have any kind of sex, action, anything. And that also, they were very clear to specify that that also included oral sex. You better oh. believe oh. that they, they had what? that disclaimer in there, and we were gonna we were gonna wear these rings, and it was gonna be like we were making a covenant. We were we were marrying Jesus. Hmm. We're marrying Jesus pre our marriage later on. And so I had this ring. Also, I don't even remember where the ring came from. I think I had to pick, yeah. go pick I out was the just ring. Going to ask because well, a from? lot of times people had they did it with their parents or with their dad. Girls did it with their dad. They would choose a ring, and their dad would give them a ring. Well. I didn't have a relationship with my dad like that, Mm. and I had my stepdad, and I didn't have a relationship with him like that, so I did it by myself, which also – let's also just pause and think of how messed up that is and that – Where'd you go? (laughs) I'm just – Did you go to Jesus Chapel? I went to – what church was
1: I going to? No, like where'd you go to buy the ring? I don't know, Claire's? (laughs) No, I dropped
0: like (laughs) probably $8 on a wow. ring that would turn my finger green in like three and a half weeks. (laughs) And – no, I didn't have access to anything and I didn't right. tell my parents about it, which is also a very strange thing if you think about at the time to be a kid making this huge thing that at the time you feel like is really important and your parents aren't even involved. And I slapped this ring on. We do this whole pledge ceremony thing. I remember doing the ceremony vaguely with my friends at the youth group. And I just want, I want to say that what it makes me think of is – it makes me think of dare. Dare oh. to keep kids off drugs. Yeah. Did you ever do dare? I mean,
1: not like I did true love right weights.
0: <laughs> I just remember like how amped you feel. Like the officer comes to your school and he's like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. kids, stay off drugs. and This is why. And then everyone's like, yeah, man, I'm not going to do any drugs. And then you right. sign some paper and you're drugs. like, marijuana, boo. And then you're like, I would never do acid. And then you really feel like you're this emboldened, like educated against peer pressure and drugs kid and you're in sixth grade. And then you go to junior high. Sixth and grade. Yes, yeah, sixth grade. And then you go to high school and you're like, oh, pass me that <laughs> bong. Because everything you've been told was either – wrong or they weren't in any way giving you the actual equipping that you needed for the right reasons. It's true to say no to any of those things.
1: What's so bizarre. Now listen. You know. The sex stuff fine, right? I I did I I can't get to graphic here. <laughs> what? Never mind. But th- the thing that worked with me in high school with the dare, wh- they brought a bunch of crashed cars onto the field and said <laughs> You drink and
0: drive. This is what's gonna happen to your car. And listen, we are products of the 80s. <laughs> Who was parenting these children? Nobody. What happened? I don't know. Mom and dad, you did a great job, but where were you? Um,
1: no, this is what happened. And so I to this day, I won't even look at a glass of wine if I have to drive so because of that crunched audience. car. Yeah. I was everybody's target audience. <gasps> Yes, you My were the whole target audience. Life, I was the target audience. I mean, but I did I did do drugs in high school, not a lot, but a little. And I did do some other stuff before I was married, not a lot. But, but a little. Did,
0: I mean, I think even in the stories we both just briefly told, the the idea is the same. There's this whole immediate out of context controlled environment <laughs> and then they're trying to create these little controlled people, these little I don't know, not robots. I mean, conformity. It's just conformity, 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 conformity. If we can scare you enough and if we can dangle promises over your head, you're going to comply with scripture. But also, back that up, purity culture talks about so many things that are not anywhere close to scriptural. right? And I want to talk about that and I
1: should have been armed with more scriptures. But did you fin- you didn't finish your purity because you went purity ring and then you went to dare real quick and then oh, come yeah. back purity to the ring. purity ring. I mean,
0: I just then had this ring on my finger and which I didn't also mention, I was not a virgin when I became a believer. And so I wasn't I hadn't been a virgin when I took this purity pledge. So to me, just like I feel like you saying you saw the picture of this whole heart and it like lured you in and you felt like I want that promise because of course we want that promise from God that I felt similarly like I wanted to be made whole because I felt dirty and ashamed for not being a virgin Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be whole and I thought that part of that was putting this ring on my finger and pledging myself to Jesus that somehow my sexual My sexual health and purity were tied up in that pledge Mm -hmm. um, because that's how it was presented. That's what these adults that are in authority over you are telling you. That's how they're presenting the information. So I had no reason to question that. I do remember, though, maybe a few weeks after being saved and I went to some youth group, another youth group, and the first thing that the pastor there said was, If any of you had sex before marriage, did you know that you're now, like, a virgin again? And, like, spiritually speaking. And I was like, wow! I remember, like, throwing my hands up. And I was like, yeah! And my friends looked at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, this is good news, you guys. This is really good news. And I don't actually think that's wrong – that was wrong. Um, I actually hadn't ever heard anybody say anything like that before. Mm -hmm. I I actually thought that was really freeing. But – That was not the general feeling. The general feeling was, like, for shame and don't tell anybody that. And, you know, you can just start over. You should just start over and don't have to talk about that, those things you did before. Did you have a bumper sticker on your car that said, born again, virgin? (laughs) (laughs) I had a
1: sweatshirt and a backpack (laughs) and a lunchbox. (laughs) 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 Um, I... There is so, I feel like an anvil just like dropped into the room because of all of the things that we thought Mm -hmm. that we would get that weren't necessarily true. Because the thing about it is, is that if somebody were to say that, okay, to say that our behavior, whatever behavior it is is somehow, um, well, this is what I like about what this pastor said about what you did and what I don't like about what Kelly sold to us. Right. That somehow Kelly held up this tattered heart and was like, this is what I had to give to my husband mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without any sort of acknowledgement that, that Jesus really can
0: cleanse us. A hundred percent. That Jesus really can make us wholehearted. And that Kelly story – is not your story. Correct. And I'm sorry, but the grossness to me of projecting that onto a group of young people, that doesn't have to be their story. But she thought she was going about it in a constructive way. Yeah. But instead, it's a damaging way.
1: And then you think about all of the people who are all locked up, who have never... Brushed the, the hand of the opposite sex or whatever, who wait until they have a crowd of witnesses on their wedding day after they say, I do, to kiss for the first time. Right. They could be bringing just as much of a tattered heart into those relationships 100%. with a tied old. That's exactly right. You know? and um, And so I just, I feel like I'm so angry about. Uh, the bill of goods that sold that is sold that is totally not even parallel to the gospel right. of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and i have a question here what the heck is a biblical
0: marriage relationship
1: <laughs> could somebody please answer me this wait was that
0: on your card this is on the card so i mean i also i, I also felt like your your card should have said in my nation but they stopped short under <laughs> my nation my family, my friends, my god, my nation, and my republican party. My Republican
1: Party. I will keep this pledge. And my president, but only if he is white, male, and republican and was um. a virgin
0: on his wedding night.
1: <laughs> Which wedding? <laughs> oh dang. There it is. All right. So, all right. Let's, let, let's reel this in. Nicole, I need you to start pontificating on
0: something while I collect my thoughts. Okay. So, wait. Wait, what was the line you asked? Do you, do you want oh, a real answer to that question? No. Yeah. What is a biblical marriage relationship? Biblical marriage relationship. It says that you'll stay um, sexually pure until your biblical marriage you know, relationship. Believing that true love waits. Oh yeah, true love
1: ways. I don't I mean make to a laugh.
0: commitment. It's so
1: sad. Look, and listen, I think that there is something beautiful about saying, look, I'm going to wait for somebody. Because I want to look at the both. I do want to look at the both end here since that's what we've promised that's what with, we this, with do. this podcast. But we'll talk about that after we get done making fun of this. So believing that true love waits, I make a commitment to God, myself, my family, my friends, my future mate, my president, so long as he's Republican, right. and my future children, mm-hmm. and maybe my pets, to be sexually abstinent. From this day until mm-hmm. the day I enter a biblical marriage relationship, I wonder how many people got married the next week. I mean, they might have felt the pressure to do so. <laughs> a, lot people, we do need to, a lot of people do a lot of things. This is what we need to talk about. Let's go there. This so is where I we're think, gonna. oh, that, yeah,
0: biblical marriage relationship. Well, go. biblical marriage relationship, but you mentioned something before that I think is the thing, which is none of what we're talking about in these stories is representative of the gospel, mm-hmm. of the radical, healing, supernatural, overcoming undoing power of the gospel and um i shared this quote with you before but lauren winner she wrote the book real sex and she's talking about chastity mostly is a lot of she frames it out which we would probably replace with the word purity but she says chastity is not the mere absence of sex but an active conforming of one's body to the arc of the gospel Mm -hmm. and i think what happens is we under purity culture create an overemphasis on sex and a de-emphasis on grace Mm -hmm. and a and a de-emphasis on the active power of the gospel to conform people to christ i mean the bible talks about sex but not in any way to the level or extent that the purity culture emphasized it or to the way that it they used it to like Ooh, scare children and tell them like terrible nighttime stories. Like, mm-hmm. like it's a monster, right? Right. I think sex becomes the enemy. And if you encounter this monster,
1: you mm-hmm. have derailed your entire faith That's narrative. That's exactly right. Well, that was a mixed metaphor.
0: Sorry, you've just de- de- derailed your faith train. Mm-hmm. And you, how are you going to get back? You're never going to get back. You've you're missed next, your exit. You're, you're going you're, you're gonna be cursed forever with a terrible sex life, or I mean, maybe you're never even going to get married. No one's going to want you.
1: Or things are so cloaked in silence and shame mm-hmm. that you're living hidden lives. I had so many friends who were, who were having sex and who were just like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not. And it's like, it would have been so much healthier for them to just have come out with it, but they would have been rejected by all of us. Guaranteed. In the church, they would have been totally rejected. Correct. So let's, it's true. And, um, let's move into college. So now we're 18. We're in college. I went to Bible school, ladies and gentlemen, and so <laughs> they laid on real thick. So if you it's got caught having sex at Bible school, you were
0: out. Uh huh. You, we had like wait, they would kick you out of school. Yes, yes. Wait, if, if, you they you out, out, if they found out sex in Bible college, if they
1: found out, yeah, certainly if you got pregnant, I think so. I mean, if they, if they, how are they going to find out? And so, I don't know. but with, I think we signed. You, like, little I'm spies? sure I signed something. I signed so many things. Unbelievable. In college about you know all of the th- I just it's unbelievable. I just signed. If you need me to sign something, just put it in front of me and guarantee me a good life and I'll sign it. Oh my and God. so anyway, but in college, you know, m- males were only allowed on the female floors during certain hours during the week. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, I guess you know, I would get we would get demerits. I don't know, college was a long time ago. Demerits. And there was a lot. Of sexual tension in college. Um, yeah, I think. And no, well, there was some frigidigging going on. Frigidigging? But no real sex happening. We were doing everything but. And then the people who were doing the most stuff – they were the youth pastors <laughs> who always had metaphors and analogies. And then like three weeks later, one of the youth pastor girls would be pregnant right. with their baby. Right. Yep. That happened a lot in college. So there was
0: a lot of hypocrisy. Oh man. It there makes was my stomach hurt. This just my stomach is actually hurting thinking about that I environment. I know.
1: These are real stories. And then you know, and then a lot of us uh, in college got married right away. Right. Why? Because he, scripture, it is Be better right. to marry it's better than to, marry. to burn. Don't let those loins burn. <laughs> so people got married. And I will tell you, Nicole, so I, you know, everybody knows I'm, a, I like, I have lots of friends. <laughs> of my close, close, close friends, let's narrow that down to 10. Of the ten who you, got married, you
0: have ten close friends. Go on. I'm talking about
1: right out of college. Listen, there were about a hundred. I know, but I know you. I'm, I'm like the inner inner circle. <laughs> All right. Uh, eighty percent are now divorced. Eighty oh, percent. Yeah. Because why <sighs> they got married because they would rather marry than burn, and then this is what happened in many of those relationships. So sad to me. Many of them, in s- several of the cases, the women had locked it down so much right. that when it actually came time to have sex, sex was painful. Mm-hmm. Sex. Now listen, I need to disclaim myself right now. There is a there is actual medical there Absolutely. can be medical issues related to pain during sex and there can also be emotional emotional issues Correct. tied that can in, do the same thing. Where you have trained your body to do something you've mm-hmm. villainized a particular behavior. That's right. And then your body just has a natural response to the villain. How would it not? Correct. And there are two different things. Sometimes they can run parallel. I actually think in one case it did run parallel. But
0: I knew several women who it, they just they couldn't uh, they couldn't have sex. If I bring home a dozen donuts every morning, and I lay out the donuts on the counter, and they're beautiful, and they've got sprinkles, some are jelly-filled, you've got your maple long johns, (laughs) whatever your taste, it's all there. Cruller. Except for cake donuts, because if you like cake donuts, this is, you're wrong. Mm. So every other donut is is. there. And I let you stare at the donuts. I let you gaze at the donuts every day. I let you get close and smell the donuts. But if you go to grab one, I'm going to smack your hand. Maybe sometimes I'm going to smack your face. And I'm going to make you feel really bad about it. And I'm going to make you feel really shamed about it. And then after years of this, one day I'm going to bring a dozen donuts and I'm going to hand them to you. And I'm going to say, eat as many as you want. Oh, they're so delicious. You will love them. You're going to want more of them. You can have as many as you want from now on. In fact, if you don't have any, you're sinning now. That's right. Now you're sinning if you don't have the donuts when you – Think about the donuts. You should actually have the donuts two to three times a week if you want to keep your, you know, donut partner happy. (laughs) This is the most messed up way of thinking. It is the antithesis of how God wants us to view and embrace and enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. We just set people up for failure. 100%. And I was telling the story of another
1: friend who (sighs) – Back in college. So, the boys that I was friends with in college, they had the Big M Club. And the Big M Club was the Big M was masturbation. And the general consensus was you're not supposed to masturbate. But uh, there is a lot of dissenting opinion on masturbation before sex within the church. I've heard. Oh, I've heard
0: all. I've heard a number of different theories on what God actually thinks about masturbation.
1: But. Because I'm sure he thinks about it so often. It's and on so, top of mind. Anyway, so this, the Big M Club was the club where if any of the guys stumbled into masturbation, they had to be accountable to each other. And then somehow or other, this turned into, you know, we need to have a detour. So we have many to
0: trigger <laughs> words right now
1: <laughs> stumbled, accountability.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: called Christianese. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so it was – now they each had to have a plan B, like the detour of, okay, if I think about – if I see a pretty girl on a college campus, for crying out loud, in oh the 90s, Lord. if I see a pretty girl and, you know, and she causes me to stumble. Right. Because she because caused she, him whatever, to stumble right, also. Right. Let's key on, I on that I need to have phrase. a plan B. And I will to, to, you know, with my guy friends, they weren't – they never accused women. But they needed to have a plan B. So one of their plan B was video games. So then he meets a very good friend of mine, and they did, they met at a graduation party, at my graduation party, and they ended up getting married, and they waited, and every time she wanted to have sex, she would come out in little nighty negligee,
0: you know, should be all like, Hey, you know, 21, 22, you know, like he, she shouldn't have even had to come out in right, negligee. she should have all been it. able to literally come out in sweatpants and every be like, Hello. time. Hello,
1: what did he do every time?
0: Right, he, he went and played his video games, played his video
1: games because that's what
0: he had taught himself to do. So, we were talking when about it's Pavlov. You're, you're wired. Your brain is now wired and rewired to do something else and have a different response.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that is the stuff that we do to
1: ourselves. I know other people who their dads didn't teach them anything because whatever, or they were told to push their boners down.
0: <laughs> so many boys in the church. Have been told to push their boners down. That Evan is it's totally not a thing. They're, I'm sorry, I couldn't even finish it. They
1: were they were told to push, push them down, them down. But also, do you remember in the 90s, 80s, uh,
0: in Growing Pains, Mike Seaver's best friend was boner. His name was boner. What
1: was that? I know.
0: <laughs> I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what that word was I when I watched what it that was show. <laughs> I had no clue. Later,
1: can you imagine that guy on his resume? No. I would have quit. I played boner in Growing Pains. Never mind, I don't act anymore. Take me off of IMDb. Anyway, so
0: <laughs> forever boner. Some, forever known yeah, as boner. some
1: boys. It's not funny. I laugh because of the word boner because I'm a child and I I can't. But anyway, and they were they were told to push their boners down. That can't
0: be healthy. <laughs> that can't be as safe. Mean, we both have sons. I can't imagine telling my boys like, you guys, when this happens. <laughs> And it will inevitably happen. And it'll happen when you least expect it. I'm just going to go ahead and just going to push it down. What? In what world? There's so much manipulative control. Okay, because we're afraid. I think
1: it's because people oh, a they don't want to talk about it, and b 100%. they don't know what. To, because nobody wants to tell anybody that hey, this actually feels good, and guess what? This is actually something that God created, and That's guess right. what? There are parameters and there are consequences. That's if right. you bone somebody and you don't use any protection, there's a quite this is a what could happen that you're going to raise a child with that person right.
0: or without that. Person. Okay, so that is really good because I was just thinking. I don't think my husband would mind me sharing. He definitely wouldn't uh, mind. You Jonathan, wouldn't, if you know Jonathan. No, he probably doesn't mind me sharing. You could have made him an anonymous story. No, no, it's not necessary. <laughs> He's fine. So, w- what you were just talking about—him growing up, he and his brother, his parents were both really open with them about sex, and he didn't have like ongoing conversations with his mom by any means. But he had ongoing conversations with his dad. It wasn't like the sex talk one time and then this is it—you know, anatomy lesson done, done. It was a constant, regular, open dialogue. When questions would come up, he knew he could go to his dad and they would talk about all kinds of things, which is completely healthy and awesome and exactly how it should be. And one of the things that his parents both communicated, though, to both of their sons regularly was just what you were saying. They would say, sex is so great. It's so fun. We can't wait for you to experience it. In the context of marriage, we're really excited for when you get married and you get to enjoy this gift. Yeah. And they didn't shame them about it. I mean, but they did they did express their personal values that they wanted and desired for their boys to wait until marriage. And both Jonathan and his brother waited until marriage in a time when that was not happening to a, for a lot of young men in college group at their church at that time. There was even a time... When Jonathan was with a girl, I don't know if he would want me to tell this story. I love this story. I do too. We actually mentioned it the other night with some friends, but he was with a girl, maybe at her apartment or something. So he must have been like 18 or 19 and they were making out and she stopped and she paused and she looked at him and she was like, do you have a condom? And he looked at her and he was like, no, I don't have a condom. He was like, and why are you asking me that? And why would you want to do that with me? Like. We barely know each other. We've just been hanging out. We're kissing. And you just have this expectation that that's going to happen. And it was also just as much for himself as it was for her. He the Just the thought of, like, I would not want that for her. And he did not want that for himself. And he said at the time he had the thought in his mind, my parents would be so disappointed. Now, for sure, I want my kids to, like, go off into the world and be their own people and, you know, have their own convictions. But especially when they're kids, part of my job is to actually ha- let them have a healthy tether to me that's not my own theology and values like hammered over them, but that I've communicated to them what I my desires and hopes are for them. And it's okay for kids to have the thought of, man, my parents would be really disappointed if I did this right now. Not out of shame, not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, but out of open communication and values and protection and the knowing that that's what at that moment would be best for them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that that's good. And I think, but there was that innate knowledge in Jonathan that I, this is something that I want to experience, but I'm not going to just do it for the sake of doing it. And I'm not just going to fall in line and listen, I, I have like, this whole thread of friends who did wait, and who were part of the purity culture mm-hmm. movement, and I have a whole other set of friends who are not Christians who are super open mm-hmm. with all of this, and purity culture is not even a, a thought, right? Right? It's Where like it be? The, yeah. the antithesis, and a lot of, and I don't think they may not even gotten this far. They've been like, we're turning that's crazy off. Mm-hmm. But my my point here is that. There are so many ways of looking at sex, looking at purity, looking at marriage. Why? What's the benefit? So, so everybody was trying to teach this thing to us, and they did it in a terrible way. And it was so terrible, in fact, that Joshua Harris was like 22, mm-hmm. 1990s. He's about our age, maybe a little. Well, yeah. I'm three years older than Nicole, and he's no, he's like a in three our years age older. Range, Yep. Then, then me, and he came out with "I kiss dating Goodbye." the book. and it was the thing where you don't date, you you court, court you tell um you are intentional, and then you know, I guess you kiss on your wedding day. I think that was kind of what first of the kiss wedding first day. kiss was, was on the wedding day mm-hmm. and then but now, flash forward what 20 years later, this was now several years back probably 2018, 17, Joshua Harris went on basically a Twitter tour yeah. and apologized.
0: Mm-hmm. He apologized for the harm that that
1: book caused. Yeah, and recanted. And I think now I don't even know that he identifies as being a Christian
0: anymore. I don't think he does. He Shortly after he renounced his book, he announced that he was divorcing from his wife. That's right. I after, I think that. they'd been married like 20-something years, which I think he spent, sent a lot more evangelicals even spinning. I think people spun out even more knowing he was getting a divorce than that yeah. he recounted yeah. his book. Oh, yeah. But to hear someone talk about – I mean, he had no idea what that book was going to be when he wrote it. He had no idea that it was going to become kind of the the hinging work <laughs> for purity culture and how misused it would become. He didn't know that. and He wasn't trying to create that. But then to sit and watch that happen over years and years and years in the perpetuation of that, I mean – how many things have we done that we look back and we have seen like where God's redirected us or opened our eyes or our hearts to something and we kind of cringe at, Ugh. I can't believe I thought and like that. I can't like believe that. I did that. And then he had it on this massive scale. On a
1: national scale. Where, right. And then he had to endure
0: decades
1: of people mm-hmm. in their 20s and 30s who were talking about how damaged – Damage. they were because they bought into this thing and that and so it make it 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 breaks my heart because you think okay his entire adult identity was founded on this platform you and this know. was before social media this was before all of these things i mean getting famous off a book you know it was him and donald miller back then with the christian that's right um and and uh, rob bell and yeah. the, the Numa, right and um I mean, these guys were the the three pillars of of Gen X Christianity who created movements, if you will. And so their entire identities – and I have no idea why Joshua Harris and his wife divorced, but I have so much compassion over his – probably having to have a reckoning. Who am I? How did I become this person? Who am I in my marriage? I don't know. And it makes me think, you know, my husband, so now moving into adulthood, my husband and I both came into marriage. Um, I mean, I, I was a borderline virgin. I, I, I didn't abstain in the way that your people told you know just people to think abstain.
0: The quote from Clueless, she's like, <laughs> "I'm a technically a virgin." I
1: am. Tech- I was technically a virgin on my wedding night, and uh, and I guess Greg technically was too by that point. And so. Um, m- but you know later in our marriage when things really started to unravel i think politically we, have, we talked about this episode 4 i think that is and um you know and he and i had to really come to grips of the of the choices that we made in life that when we realized it was our actually it was during our finances that if we did x y and z mm-hmm our finances would be healthy, and when we did X, Y, and Z, and that wasn't the case, then we had to go through and look at all of our X, Y, and right. Zs, and that included purity culture. Right. And, and having to really ask these, um, these questions of, was it worth it? Was it worth our uh, me running from guys or him running from girls and us all, always shutting down the romance? always shutting down the romance, of always immediately jumping to, oh, that guy kind of has a crush on me, but could I see myself married to him? If I'm not going to marry him, then I'm not going to go out with him. Right. Like absolutely shutting down any sort of potential. Which was the –
0: I mean, that became, I think, what a lot of – I know because I was – I watched it happen in my own college group that a lot of people became so fearful of dating. And that is one of the things that Joshua Harris has talked about when he came out renouncing his book is that – he said, you know, it's he said avoid dating altogether because that's the best way to avoid premarital sex because all our number one goal team huddle up the goal is to avoid premarital sex at all costs. Why? One though? of the best ways to do that is to not date. Let's let's not date. Let's be scared to date. Let's be scared to go get coffee with someone. For fear that they might think that I want to marry them. Yeah. That's literally the thought process that people in my college group had. They wouldn't even hang out with someone because they thought they're gonna think this is leading to marriage. I don't know why. I think that sex is a really powerful, beautiful, and will align with the title of this episode, untamed thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that God permits so much freedom and enjoyment and pleasure and oneness and ecstasy inside of it that it is really, like so many things we've talked about, it's really hard for Christians to understand how they can embrace that fully. Mm-hmm. When we don't have those boundaries, we feel so scared and nervous and the what ifs and the, I can't control these things. And I don't think that sex is meant to have a boundary in and around it in the ways that we draw them up. And then you also add in things when you're talking about teenagers and you're talking about hormones and you're talking about how difficult it is already for them to not want to just like, you know, dry hump. Like that is a reality. <laughs> you know, that is like what that – that's where your brain is at so much when you're a teenager. The thing is though, all the correcting <laughs> – it's true all the correcting is that we're we're correcting to the complete in the completely wrong direction because the real the real truth of it is that purity has very little to do with sex it has so much to do with our identities Hmm. like if I'm a new creation I'm just inherently pure yep like I have the purity and holiness of God and I get to embrace that and enjoy that. And I don't have to be scared of sex because sex is something God made for mm-hmm. us to enjoy. Yep, As you pointed out in episode something, that we have to thank the Lord yep. for the clitoris. Oh, um, episode two. <laughs> two. Because he made it. He wants us to enjoy it. He didn't make it to shame us and lock it away from us. He made it for us to experience. But like so many things that God has given us, He's made it to experience in a certain context.
1: Yep. And I can't, I'm not finding it. But yeah, to the pure, all things are pure. Yes. That's from R- Titus. <laughs> Titus one. I thought it was Romans. It's yeah. Titus one fifteen. Yes. But to the pure, all things are pure. And I think about that. If we could redesign this whole um narrative
0: like for our children you Ooh, know that's good yes what are we going to communicate to you them know,
1: to the pure all things are pure mm-hmm. that i don't want them to shun the opposite gender mm-hmm. i don't want them to shun their sexuality mm-hmm. their bodies i don't want them to be ashamed of, of what their bodies do correct don't and push will it down do, inevitably. Don't push it down. Don't put. Don't you know? Don't wear sports bras unless you want to. And you know, you don't have to be ashamed about any of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And that that I don't know. I, I I need it to take better shape as the years go by. And now my eleven year old is going to be thirteen soon, and then fifteen. And but I think that's what I want to want to focus it on is that the freedom. The freedom of choice, too, mm-hmm. this idea that you are free to do what you want to do, but there is always going to be a measure of accountability for every for every decision, decision we make right and there are going to be times where I know people who had sex before marriage and who went on to have wonderful marriages mm-hmm. and who don't regret that right. they had a twinge of like, yeah, all right I w- it was I sinned, but it was wonderful,, right. but I went on, and I had a beautiful marriage mm-hmm. and there's a wholeness in that that I appreciate mm-hmm. that that both and you know, where my husband and I, when we had to go back and reckon it was we believed all of these things, and they turned out not to be true because they weren't true, right
0: because the narrative that we were given yeah. wasn't true, and true. so we had to recreate that narrative mm-hmm. then you have to go through that process inside of your marriage, I mean, I think I'm an example of someone who I wasn't a virgin when I signed my pledge. I wasn't a virgin when I became a Christian. I wore that purity ring and that purity ring got tossed and I ended up having sex again even after I became a believer. And my husband was a virgin when we got married and I wasn't. And to some people, that's not anyone's preference. Jonathan didn't care. He loved me and he – that wasn't a requirement for him or a prerequisite and – But I absolutely had consequences Mm -hmm. for having had sex before I was married that I brought into my marriage. There, I'm never going to say that it was like super easy and I just let those things go. That's not at all what happened. God had a lot of healing work to do in me. I don't think though that – I think that I was absolutely affected by the shame that's stirred up in purity culture type atmospheres that somehow I wasn't whole that that I that couldn't be fixed in me that even though I became a Christian and I was told by that pastor that night did you know you're a virgin again that I didn't actually really believe that and yeah. I wasn't really ever equipped in how to embrace the full concept of purity like yeah. what we're talking about that wasn't equipping or teaching that I received at all it was just lock it down don't do this yeah just wait and I didn't know how to do that because I also came from a background of broken fatherness and I lost my virginity young and there was a huge bit of hurt that God had to undo in me for me to be healthy minded in my marriage bed. And did he do it? He did. Was it work? Absolutely. Would I want that for my kids? No, I do not. But I am absolutely also not going to steer them in the direction of don't touch, don't look, don't taste. Because I think that's not fruitful. I want them to feel like they can embrace it and know it's going to be so wonderful to enjoy. I don't want them to come in with hurt, but I also want them to be – I don't know. I think like there's not room for – we're not giving room for the reality. Mm -hmm. The reality.
1: Yeah. And I think the reality can be there. And reality for everybody is so different. And for us to somehow say that – that this is the track. Mm-hmm. Stay on this track and all will be well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just not gonna happen for any of us. But there's one more topic and I know, but it's the after after divorce. The you waited. Right. You lost your virginity on your wedding night and then your marriage didn't take. Right. Now twenty five years after or twenty years after twenty <laughs> three years after college, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of these people. And I will say with accepting one or two of them, they all have gone on to have numerous partners outside of marriage, which I find fascinating. Mm -hmm. But I think it's that disillusionment, right? Mm -hmm. The hurt. Of course. The idea that, you know, in some cases it's, oh my gosh, well, I was used to, you know, you make out and then you go into the bedroom. And so the idea of- Go ahead. Yeah. The idea of not doing that for them just felt ridiculous. Right. And then this whole idea, there's nothing for me to save anymore. Right. There were all of these different things. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I thought it was about two becoming one. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea that, you know, the threefold cord cannot be easily broken. That's a scripture. (laughs) When. And so, you have meaning, to say it like that when you say it. Though. The threefold, threefold core, which cord. means you know, God is the one strand, and then the husband and the wife are the other strands. And uh, and look, all of this is it really saturated in a very heteronormative. In well, paranoid. it could also As be well. God
0: and your homie and your homie. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. And so, in any case. Um, You know, that has been something that has emerged and, you know, I I don't ever want to think about, you know, Greg not being in my picture, but I still feel like I have so much in me that would be reluctant to want to just like get in bed with somebody without him putting a ring on it or me putting a ring on it first. I don't know
0: who's going to put the ring on it. Someone that's not your husband, yourself. Somebody who's not my husband.
1: Yeah, I still have a mental (laughs) block on that. You
0: should. That's an okay (laughs) block. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good block.
1: Why? But it's the same thing, like this purity thing. Like, it's okay, yeah, would I want to? Absolutely. But, yeah, but I because yeah, there's a, a permanence there for me about if I if I let you in, yeah,
0: you got to stay. Yeah, but you're also talking too about in your own marriage, like there's an actual bond that's formed. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have time to get into it, but, but sure, we do. what well, there's no time. But back to Kelly. When Kelly was talking about ripping up hearts, there, there is scientific support yes. for, you know, you release horm- bonding hormones with whomever you have sexual a sexual encounter with. That's a real thing. There are people who are actually emotionally bonded to other people that they've had sex with. That's a real thing. It's also why if you don't – then no, no. If you wait until marriage, the theory goes that you release the most hormones – bonding hormones to each other and then you're bonded to each other but as you were just sharing and I know lots of people too who didn't who did wait and then their sex lives were not what they were promised by the church for waiting because they fell into don't look don't touch don't taste they didn't know how to enjoy and or there were other things going on in their in their marriages and their marriages were hard or they ended up in divorce so it's not a promise of anything that hormonal release is not a promise of anything. And God doesn't promise us that either. God doesn't promise us that if we don't have sex before marriage that we get this like magical marriage. That's not scriptural either. Mm -mm. There's no promises or guarantees of anything. I mean in that realm. Right.
1: Is there actually a scripture
0: that says don't have sex before marriage? I don't know. My you're searching I'm searching my brain. I mean there's definitely ones about, you know, fornication, good old fornication and not burning with lust and that kind of stuff, but I don't know if there's one specific about don't do it before marriage. You'd have to, I'd have yeah, to, yeah, I'd have to look at that too. Have I know, to look it up. I
1: know culturally it was definitely a thing, like the, even in the Old Testament, when you look at it, when Tamar was raped by one of her brothers for crying out loud, you know, her biggest issue was, Now I'm not, now no man is going right. to take me, and same thing with, um uh one of the twelve tribes of Israel, Dinah. Mm-hmm. You know, she had sex with somebody. I don't even think it was a rape situation, but it was a situation where she was not going to be able to she was broken.
0: She right. Was, she was used goods. Used goods. And so culturally over the millennia, this has also been, mm-hmm. it's something been that perpetuated. Has been, it's not I mean the church would never come out and say that, but when you have young girls in high schools that show up pregnant and they are kicked out of school, you're literally Perpetuating that same narrative, yep. That you're used goods and you're shameful, and we can't, we can't even look at you. Yeah, which just
1: which objectifies, and that's the thing. What I think the church is un, in unintentionally or intentionally done is it, it's objectified us mm-hmm, that we are objects that are either damaged or mm-hmm. ready to be sent. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody's going to. Yes. Ter- nobody's going to return you. That's right. If you don't. Uh, open the box. That's exactly right. And that is the commodifying-
0: Save your goods. Of, Save your bits. Of this kind of thing. It is- Ugh, Also- Disgusting. What we mentioned, like we kind of mentioned, when I was, going on a, I was going on a college trip with my college youth group to San Diego, we live in Phoenix, we we're going to the beach, and they sent out an email that said that we couldn't wear bikinis, that the women couldn't wear bikinis. And I'd done lost- my mind. <laughs> I would have too. I was so furious and I wrote back a very strongly worded email. And I said, I am not responsible for the sexual conduct, purity or accountability of the young men around me. Correct. And I wore my bikini and the other <laughs> the the for shame that I got from the other girls like I was the hoe because I wore my bikini. How dare I tempt those men? Oh, they dished it out too. You better believe that whole narrative mm-hmm. is of just a gross pattern back and forth between putting the responsibility on the young woman for the sexual purity of the man yep. and then shaming and then the women shaming the women because she's a hussy. Yep. And you Wore a bikini. I wore a bikini. I also probably wore shorts over the, my bikini for most of the time because that's what I always did. I actually really wore my bikini in protest. Yeah, I mean, I purposefully was like, I'm not doing this. It's a bad,
1: bad situation. And the amount, I 100. I remember there was somebody. This now I'm in grad school, and one of our it was she was in our Christian group, and she started having sex with this guy, and he was not. He was bad news all around. He was just gross. He treated her terribly. And I, my thing was, is the whole idea of bad company corrupts good mm-hmm, character, mm-hmm. right? That my conviction was if I continue to hang out with you, that I'm going to suffer the same temptation right. and I'm going to end up getting into some sort of nightmarish relationship. Mm-hmm. So I disconnected that friendship and I ended up in my holier than thouness, mm-hmm. getting involved with somebody who was no good. Yeah. He did not treat me well. We definitely, we didn't actually do it, but we did enough. And I remember sending her an email saying, I am so sorry that I yeah. treated you like I did. That was entirely on me and mm-hmm. my fear. Mm-hmm. That ended up happening anyway. Right. Because I had, I had put the credibility in the wrong thing. Yeah, that's good. Like I wasn't focused on the person. I was focused on the behavior. That's right. And once you, once you start commodifying relationships, once you start saying, if you behave like this, okay, and I guess, Oh, I just got my step goal. Um, if you that <laughs> nah, I move my hands a lot. Um, and I guess this is the thing. There, yes, there's one thing I, I don't want my kids running around with a bunch of people who shoplift or who I don't, you know, I'd rather them not smoke, uh, crack, uh, weed. Mm, I don't have much yeah. of a problem with. I voted yes on the marijuana bill. And so my, my point here is that, yeah, that kind of behavior I would want to set a precedent. But to say that the be all end all of your worth mm-hmm. is your behavior in the bedroom.
0: Mm-hmm. Horseshit. That's absolutely right. And so we almost no. got through a whole episode without you saying horseshit. No, listen, it's my word. I know. I like it. And there's it. something else. I approve I can't of it. Remember. But okay, I want to say this. Yes. And then maybe we're maybe we wrap it up. Uh know. time this. What, what is time? Um, you, you just said triple speed this. When we don't focus on the person, but we focus on the behavior and then I just thought of, it exactly translates to when we don't focus on the person of Jesus and mm. we focus on behavior modification. Yeah, so good. It's, it's exactly parallel. what it is. If we yeah. take our eyes off of Christ and then we're just focusing on behavior, we will fail every time. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is.
1: 100% because I don't think, and when you think about, i i am I'm, I'm certain we've said this already but when you th- when i think about my life and i think about the t- temptations that i've had and whenever i have focused on the behavior i have succumbed to them mm-hmm. yeah. mightily yeah. yeah in such a way that it, it brought on more devastation and mm-hmm. i'm not just talking about sex i'm talking about when i i struggled with bulimia for a long time and the thing that got me out of bulimia um was Recognize, like hearing the Lord say, "I don't want you gone before your time." Mm. Like that's true. I I knew that what I was doing to my body, I I felt like just this there were going to be consequences that I could never undo. Undo, Yeah, right. And and maybe the Lord could have, but (laughs) I don't know. That's a different theological study. But this whole idea that. The Lord has so much more hope for me. That's right. That's beyond whether or not I'm in a size six. That's exactly like right. And so, my so my point there was, and that's I think what has always ushered me out of of that is just remembering who does the Lord want me to be, and and what so is good. His hope for me. So good. And I think that's what I want to transfer to my people, mm-hmm. whether they're my children or my friends or my husband. And I don't always do a good job at it because I'm pretty good at projecting my own fears, but but I'm getting better at it. And I think that's something that I want to say. And um I didn't we didn't talk about night in shining armor though. We didn't talk about that.
0: Oh, there's a lot more we could talk about. So much. We I still only feel like we scratched the surface we even so though we've been talking an hour. the surface. But yes.
1: <laughs> I know. But listen, because there are a lot of stuff that's put on men. And I will say in college, my friend, we're still friends, Michelle. Um there was her parents flew all the way from the United States to where we were living in London. And her mother, as sweet as can be, presented us the book Night, shining Night
0: and Shining Night and Shining Armor. That's one I avoided. And what it was is that you
1: fasted from dating for, I think, six months. You had to name it. You had to pray about it and name it. Yes, the time. obviously you had to pray and about then it. And as soon as that be fast was done, mm-hmm. you were ready for marriage.
0: You oh, were ready! Damn,
1: you were ready for when the your, fast was done. You were ready for marriage. I think that's how it went. I don't have the book anymore. It would have been on. It would be at the. I'm glad you don't
0: have the book anymore. So
1: I kind of wish I had kept it just for nostalgia's sake. But maybe Michelle sold her copy. But is some and I wish yeah. So this is theology. the Michelle from Leanna and Michelle, and I'll shout out to them right now. And but but here's the thing. We needed rescuing. Oh yeah! That somehow this my husband Greg is. I mean, I mean, you know, he's a little bit of a knight in shining armor. But I mean, really, these men are supposed to be knights in shining armor yes. coming in on their steeds, rescuing these princesses who who can't fend for ourselves. We're we up can in do the nothing. Towers.
0: I mean, what a load of crap! Not only can we do nothing, all we're doing is sitting here waiting right. to be a wife, and which you is want a to whole another conversation. So we were 20, yes, because we couldn't, we could drink in
1: England, but we couldn't drink in the United States. And we were like, when we were in, when we came back to the United States, we were like, we already went to the bars. We were sophisticates. Right? So we were 20. Michelle and I did
0: not get married until we were 30. Uh-huh. So that's six months. So you're fast. Our fast last It was a little, like years. a touch <laughs> longer. Like, you know. <laughs> like you've done a 3 day fast. <laughs> right. You know, this was a little And longer. imagine
1: we I I think we we should interview Michelle about this. I was devastated afterwards. Like where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And
0: he was <laughs> yeah, not, he was still up. in junior high. He was the baby. So he was. Yeah. So, you know. Renee's Whatever. a cradle robber? Yeah. Is that the term? Yeah. Rubbing the cradle. A cheetah.
1: I don't know, cheetah. cougar? Cougar, cheetah.
0: cougar. I You should stick with
1: cheetah. <laughs> I am a cheetah. I run pretty <laughs> fast. And I don't need no man to climb up a tower, all right? right? And so, um, although I always appreciate it. So, uh, but I, I like the, the pretty woman. She rescues him right back. I'm going to rescue you right back. That's what I like. That's what I believe in sex and marriage and love and all of these things. In, in just togetherness, we rescue each other right back
0: good i like it you can thank julia roberts for that one thanks jules all right well we've just
1: scratched the surface Um, we went all over the place but i think you know we kind of had the timeline of where we
0: were throughout our lives i really hope that i get to, we get to hear some of your purity culture oh gosh. nightmare stories yes tell us if anybody saved their true love weights um oaths or their purity rings. Any of that stuff. Maybe, yeah, we'll we'll post on Instagram with follow-up. You have got to send that stuff And we in. can all discuss our shared stories of the craziness that we experienced yes. <laughs> inside of purity culture. And another quick reminder, too, before we go, that if you feel so inclined to please rate, review, or subscribe to Not Only But Also, because it really does make a difference in our ratings and letting other people find us, and it means a lot to us. So even if you have two minutes to spare, we would really appreciate it. Yeah. And, and thanks tell us for listening. why you like us. Tell us why you like us. Yes, it
1: keeps it keeps <laughs> us going. And so anyway, well, thank you, Nicole.
0: Thank you, Renee, for your candid sharing as per usual. Thank you for Everybody's saying does my the soul word, good.
1: dry hump. You're quite welcome. <laughs> that was my favorite part of this whole episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right peace in the Middle East all the time everywhere <laughs> and today <gasps> there was just
1: an issue that happened in Iran really? they think yeah Israel may have they killed um they killed a big per- a big person they killed a big <laughs>